Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. We do talk about songs, and we're going to talk about a whole brace of songs today. I think a brace is actually literally four. I'll have to look that up. First, let me introduce myself. I'm your co-host, Sarah DeBunting. I'm here, as always, with the fandiferous Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. I wore braces. <laughs> Wait, which kind of braces? Suspenders or, like, on your teeth? Uh, well, depending on the day, both. But uh, definitely oh. on my teeth for four long years. Wow. With headgear, Are- too. Oh, I had headgear, too. And when they finally said I didn't have to wear it anymore, I couldn't sleep without it. Yeah, I only had to wear it at night, but oh my god, yeah, yes, I got same. Oh, same. And, and then my pillow was like too close to my face for like two weeks. I was like, I can't, I can't yep. get to sleep. Anyway, <laughs> here's the <laughs> point: we actually talk about songs and not orthodonture. And uh, we are, as you are, listeners, in the midst of this uh, confusing and anxiety-inducing pandemic, and. Our incomes are uncertain at best. So if you are still working and if you are able to contribute to our Patreon page, we would really appreciate it. That's at patreon.com slash mastass. There's extra content. There's ranking singles that are um, not available in Gen Pop. You will have access to the Mass Stappy Hour, uh, which we really enjoy doing on Zoom. And we've had some wonderful chats with you guys. Uh, if you can't do it, you can't. Everybody's feeling the pinch and the uncertainty. And we'll keep doing this podcast, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but if you do like it, and you have a couple of bucks, much of our Patreon content is available to contributors at any level. So once again, that's patreon.com slash mastass. We would super appreciate it. Thank you so much in advance if you can help out. And if you can't, we love to hear from you anyway. There is a little tag at the end of the episode that lets you know how to get in touch with us. So keep an ear out for that. And now, finally, the topic of our episode, Mark... <laughs> It's about to get shady in here. Please tell the listeners why that is. Yeah, so the theme of today's episode is one that I was inspired to suggest to Sarah while making dinner and listening to a Spotify playlist. I will get into that in a second. But the theme today is Songs We Like by Artists We Don't. And uh, we have both chosen two songs by two artists for whom we typically have nothing but bile and rancor, but who in this one three to four and a half minute occasion managed to deliver something that we actually have to acknowledge that we like. So it's an interesting way of investigating uh, taste, aesthetics, preferences, the fungibility of uh, a relationship to an artist, it's also an interesting way of letting ourselves be real fucking shady, but then also be like, but this song's okay. So, you know, <laughs> like a little bitter, a little sweet. Um, on our first Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs live stream happy hour, Sarah brought in a Mastis cocktail that was Sunny Delight plus bitters. <laughs> and and uh, uh-huh. I can't remember what else, but it was like, uh, that's what this is. Choice And then club soda for fizz. Yes. So a little Sunny D, a little bitters and a little just d uh so (laughs) so i think that we're i think we're starting with one of mine is that right we are so why don't i then say because we are starting with the the song that kicked all of this off for me i was making dinner a few weeks ago before the plague um remember back when you were like if i run out of something i'll just go get more um there's no way they won't be they won't have it that and it's only been a few weeks (laughs) anyway um but i uh I was listening to a Spotify playlist of the top 100 songs of 1991, because I am myself, and up came (laughs) the Motown song by Rod Stewart, which reached number 10, uh, featuring The Temptations. And I was listening to this song, and I was remembering very clearly when it used to come on the radio, and I realized, whoa, this is a Rod Stewart song that I'm not 
physically furious to hear as li- longtime <laughs> listeners have known die yeah think i'm sexy makes both sarah and i want to commit some sort of crime uh tonight told the... you lately that i hate you yeah, seriously <laughs> maggie may really could have murdered without getting a single juror juror in the world to convict um <laughs> but for whatever reason and i actually have some <laughs> theories about why but uh, the Motown song does not make me mad. So before we discuss, here's a clip. Yeah, like, Sarah, I don't know. The song is charming to me, and The Temptations adding harmony vocals doesn't hurt, and it has a nice bounce. There's an innocent uh, joy, I think, to be had, and just a nice nostalgic look back at the the music and, and wanting to put your speakers in the window and just dance around on the roof. Like, I like that. It's I, I get that. Um, I... Uh, I think that one of the reasons I don't hate this song the way that I hate so many Rod Stewart songs is it doesn't sound like a Rod Stewart song. He's not being grossly lascivious. He is not trying to croon in a way that he does when he covers the American songbook. He's just like relaxed and the rhythm of the song is carrying him along. And I don't know. I just I don't hate it. It makes me pretty happy as Rod Stewart songs go. I am so happy for you that you found <laughs> something in the Rod Stewart songbook to enjoy. <laughs> Should we talk about the next song? Just kidding. Um, I despised this song from the minute it started. This is the closest I have ever come to quitting in under two minutes. Song. I, I managed, but my notes say things like, Jesus fucking Christ, how is this piece of shit still happening to me? I'm like, there's like the beginning of a letter to my congressman. <laughs> it's, I, that is on, like, I get why uh, you respond to it. And I don't think that's like wrong, but to me, this just feels like something. I feel like everyone involved is worsened by their association with it, including me for peering the whole thing. This sounds <laughs> like something that the Temptations rewrote to sell kitty litter. <laughs> Bring over some of that good kitty litter. litter. You put Get the tabby for your felines. Woo. No. <laughs> No. <laughs> the kitty cat has <laughs> got you. to make a poopy poo, and you know you gotta clean it up. <laughs> my, my temptation is to send some cat poo to Rod Stewart for creating this. <laughs> well, you know, I will say... It's, it's actually not that bad. I just, I really, I disliked it immediately, and I, I couldn't even listen to it again, that I was just like, I am just... Like, this is such a knee-jerk thing, and I should listen to it again, but I just, I can't do that. <laughs> well, even so the clip, even the clip must have been painful for you then. It wasn't great. <laughs> well, I will tell you, here's something that I shouldn't have done. I should not have rewatched the music video, which I had forgotten about, honestly. Oh, was there a lot of prancing? There was. was there. Okay, I'm about to describe this music video to you, and I promise I'm not making any of this up. <laughs> The premise of the music video is that a live-action Rod Stewart is animating the video himself. So there's this interplay between live-action and animated Rod Stewart, and then animated Rod Stewart has an animated puppy dog sidekick. And they're all in this, like, New York neighborhood listening to music and enjoying themselves. 
And then animated versions of pop stars from 1991 show up and a group of local kids, some of them black, some of them white, all of them dressed like stereotypical 1991 teenagers, start punishing the contemporary pop stars for making contemporary music because instead the only music that counts is the old Motown sound. So Vanilla Ice has a bucket of ice dropped on his head. Michael Jackson moonwalks and they pull the cover off a manhole and he falls down. Madonna steps out of a limousine wearing the outfit that she wore to sing sooner or later at the Oscars. And the outfit gets caught in the door of the limo and it pulls off her clothes to reveal just her uh, cone bra outfit. But to its credit, this moment is kind of funny. She's like, "Mm, whatever. And she just keeps on walking. And Sinead O'Connor is shaving her head and gets so startled by the sound of the music that she cuts her head with a razor and then you see her crying with band-aids on her head and it's so gross and mean-spirited to all of these people especially now that what we know about Sinead but it's like you know what fuck off fuck off for insisting that there's only one type of um, appropriate music and that you're charming for punishing contemporary stars like you can be reminiscent of and nostalgic for Motown without shitting on what's happening in 1991. So I'm almost talking myself into hating this song, I realize, but it's just the music video that I never need to watch again. I'm still not mad about this song. Now, am I ever going to be like, let me listen to this song first? No. But if someone were to say, do you hate every song by Rod Stewart? I would simply say almost. And then I would let this one have a pass. Uh, That does not mean, however, that I will tonight be rocking out to uh, that fucking awful Three Musketeers song that he sang with Brian Adams and Sting or anything. Oh, Jesus. Um, so, yeah, Rod I Stewart... Mean, <laughs> usually I'm lunging for whatever console is available to make it stop. It is up there. Rod Stewart's um, output is very similar to the Cars for Kids commercial that it's like, <laughs> I am not capable of exi- coexisting with this with this shit. That's fair. So uh, this that's did fair. Not change the. I think there is actually one um, Rod Stewart song which is like um, on brand creepy for him. It was from the early '80s, and there was a video where he was basically stalking his neighbor. Oh, infatuation. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, which I yes, like, that one I can tolerate. I will not depart a moving car while it's on. But <laughs> I mean, everything I guess... else can eat bees. Which it, I don't, he sounds like he did and then went to the studio. I don't hate the song um, Some Guys Have All the Luck, but I don't love that song oh. either. <laughs> I wish he had some bad luck, like getting kicked in the nuts so hard that it was not possible for him to sing anymore. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Another thing that makes me mad about Rod Stewart, he the song Reason to Believe is a great song, but his schmaltzy, syrupy mtv unplugged delivery does that song such an injustice and it makes me mad and even the fucking wilson phillips cover of recent to believe is less schmaltzy than his and that's saying something all right speaking of schmaltzy shall we move on i believe it's one of your selections now Uh, yes to the um stillbirth known as the song chances by five for fighting which i didn't even realize was a person did you know that? Yeah, it's just he's just the one guy. Yeah. I feel like everyone knew that but me because I perhaps because I was um pointedly averting my eyes from any information about Five for Fighting because I was like <laughs> it, it's so like aggressively boring. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, let's hear a clip. Chances are lost, our hopes torn our pages. 
Okay, with the um, disclaimer that I don't expect anyone to also like this song or um, (laughs) accept my argument, here is said (laughs) argument. I think the issue for me with Five for Fighting's um, catalog generally, like 100 years and other shite like that, is that it feels very... It's like all icing and no cake. It's all Mm. chorus and no verse. It's like directly to this like concentrated, unearned chorus bombast. It's like all released without enough buildup. So the emotion is out of whack. The piano tends to underline that um, lack of balance uh in aural emotion in my opinion this song is no different in that regard but there is something about the harmonies and the falsetto that because it's a little bit fugazi feels much more sincere than most five for fighting songs and while i probably did hear this as a promo for some cw show that i'm 58 years old to too old to be watching <laughs> um and i'm sh- like i'm sure that's what that was for because that's what all his songs are for is like late season smallville promos like we say goodbye to a lame legend like nobody ca- calm down everyone but there's something about this one that feels more uh, like less um uh, assembled as promotional product and more felt and it is appealing to me for that reason. Like just the the um, chord progressions are more appealing. They're not terribly different from anything else he does. But for some reason, this is the one that I attached to, whereas the others are like, uh, I don't even know. It's like the, um, <laughs> it's like a... The color of no color. It's like the color of a white t-shirt that is 20 years old, his music usually. (laughs) This one is like actually identifiable beige, but still, that's an improvement. Mark, what was your experience of enduring this song? You know, one of the reasons that this podcast marriage works is because I really also fucking hate Five for Fighting. (laughs) I mean... I'm surprised you even can muster up that intensity of feeling about it. I'm like, I, huh? I guess, you know, I guess you're right. Like, but, <laughs> you know, they, they, de- he definitely rides in the same lane as Train, our uh-huh. sworn enemy. Uh, but the thing that I could never forgive Pfeiffer fighting for is for his first hit song, which was the song, It's Not Easy, or Superman, parentheses, It's Not Easy. A whole song in which he whines about how hard it is to be a straight white man. Mm-hmm. It's it's not easy to be me. I will never forget my friend Amy Watt be listening to that song and being like, except it kind of is. <laughs> yeah, except it is the easiest to be you, Vladimir. Like, like, yeah, boo, everybody has hard things that happen to them. That is 100% true. And in saying... Black Lives Matter. I know he's never said anything like this, but like you're not sa- you're not saying that Black Lives Matter and therefore no other lives matter. You're saying Black Lives Matter and are often treated as though they don't. So I don't know. Even in like 2002, I was just like not in a place to hear Pfeiffer Fighting talk to me in his whiny way. Oh, and then and that it's song, just this, like the the actual literal wine is this like poor man's dave matthews situation that's like yes the the actual dave matthews was more than enough thinks and then oh god yeah seriously it's another one i just can't Mm. um i've never ever understood why they are so popular but i can't even get into that right now okay and then i also agree with you that that song um a thousand years or whatever that song is called it's 15 there's still time he's like shut up yeah like eh. so and he is also so guilty you said i think earlier it was colossally boring or something it's just that starbucks soundtrack wash of music that it it has no 
all of the edges have been sanded off. Mm-hmm. It's like that Phil Collins Tarzan song we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah. You'll be in my heart. Like it just exists to to create wallpaper in the sonic space. Yeah. To me. And like the earnest the the ner- the solipsistic earnestness of it is exhausting. Now, all Grim of that said, mock. Yes. That's what this is. Wait, say that again. Grim mock. Yes. Oh my god. Grim mock is so right. That is a If drag that's queen too hard that... to say, go with grimly mockish. That's what I that's... mean. That's But Grim mock is a is a drag queen that nobody wants to see perform. <laughs> <laughs> and also might be the villain in a Lord of the Rings story. Um, but that being said, this song certainly didn't make me think, ooh, I got to listen to this shit again. But at least he's not complaining about how hard it is to be him. He's. It, I will say, though, one thing that did make me uh, angry about this song, there's a lyric where he – hold on. I actually – vamp for a second. You're going to hear clicking because I need to look up the lyrics of the song to give it a particularly okay. – accurate read Uh, yeah i mean i just i think that all of these songs are trying to be these like graduation time like message in a bottle soundtrack um like profound lyrics that like i said before like he's only interested in that like yank a nose hair emotional payoff so it's like all it's like all cheese no cracker but then yes. at the same time the cheese is like the mildest possible cheddar that won't offend anyone so like John Denver's Annie's song is a super fucking cheesy song that I actually love because it has the um, musical sparseness to sound emotionally forthright like yeah it's this all is like piano runs that you're yes. like no this is too much like he and any song to me is the perfect example of a cheesy song that really works for me and it's for all of the things that this song isn't now i would like to now quote to you the lyrics from this song chances by five for fighting that made me crazy i'm just a realistic man a bottle filled with shells and sand oh. afraid to love beyond what i can lose when it comes to you what how does in any way calling yourself a bottle filled with shells and sand make you seem realistic? First of all, a bottle filled with shells and sand doesn't signify anything. It doesn't signify anything. That is not a commonly understood metaphor. So if you're going to use it in a song, you have to explain it to me a little bit. You can't just assume that I think it means that you're realistic because what the fuck are you talking about? Then, afraid to love beyond what I can lose when it comes to you. What does that mean? Does it mean that you want to say... Here's what it means. I have commitment issues, which is why I'm telling you now that I'm going to cheat on you and you don't get to be mad about it. That's what that (laughs) shit is. The thing is, if I... Welcome to straight boy Stan. Fuck that. If I really sit down and... If I really sit down and parse what and is saying here, (laughs) I can see that there is some, like, vague meaning. But, like, it shouldn't have to be so fucking difficult to get to it with your crappy metaphors. That being said, you're not wrong. There is, like, a musical quality to this song that is slightly more engaging than other songs. So you're right. It's beige, not old t-shirt. Yeah. There it is. There's Yeah, like, you're still being manipulated, but it actually, like, kind of gets halfway to working this time yes yes which in a way is actually makes it um the guy in five for fighting is not untalented he has skill it's just that he uses his skill to do this yeah well i hope that he has um made a lot of money and invested it wisely and is actually not this like you know toxic masculinity guy disguised as sensitive masculinity which is the most yeah. dangerous kind that's some, yeah, that's some Groban shit happening right there. Or not Groban. <laughs> Adams? Ryan Adams? Is that the... Oh, yeah, Ryan Adams. Josh Groban, we love. But yes, I Ryan mean, Adams. Okay. Honestly, yeah. there are many, many wonderful Ryan Adams songs, and it makes me sad that he was gaslighting Mandy Moore because I oh, really can't... I can't bring myself to quit some of the Ryan Adams songs that I love, but oh my God, I know. also that We should guy. talk about him one day. Yeah. Today, Ooh, with... unfortunately... 
We're gonna have to talk about some country with a K. Hits yes. With okay. A Z. Yes. Now we're transitioning from the uh, adult contemporary men to the country men. I also don't think it's an accident that both of us choose only male artists for this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so my second choice today is by Kenny Chesney. Now, it turns parts of my stomach and heart to even say the name. Kenny Chesney, most of the time embodies everything that I think is terrible about mainstream country music. Uh Um, Here are the names of some Kenny Chesney albums that make me angry. (laughs) No shoes, no shirt, no problems. (laughs) No thanks. All I want for Christmas is a real good tan. That's not what I heard. Oh! (laughs) And then finally... The one that I find almost the most unbearable, just who I am, colon, poets and pirates. Like, I just really need you to... Shut up, Ed. Yes, shut up, Ed. He is the... The song that we're about to hear, though... This album title is the one that made me want to drive to his house and yeah, like, you're punch right. him in the dick. The song that I have chosen is called Somewhere With You, and it is from an album called Hemingway's Whiskey. No. No. Oof. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. It actually just gave me the dumb chills just to say <laughs> that aloud. But the thing is, Kenny Chesney is one of those country stars who has traded what seems to be all actual authenticity for the performance of authenticity. He performs this obsession with boats, fishing, islands, drinking tequila at a sunset on the beach. Like there's another song on this album called You and Tequila featuring Grace Potter, which is not a terrible song, honestly, but it's still like And apparently it did cl- quite well. It did, though he's had every song he releases is a huge hit because he's I don't know. But the thing is, I'm sure that in his actual life, Kenny Chesney likes boats, tequila, islands, the sunset, all of that shit. I'm sure he does, but he, the way he sings about it so aggressively with such endless, unnuanced uh, adoration makes it impossible for me to believe him. And I, well, it really feels like all of his songs, well, with the exception of the song I'm about to mention, are created in a lab because they're marketing tools, not because they're artistic expressions. And we have spoken so many times about the fact that a song can be a marketing tool and still be fucking great. But there's just something about this gross, smarmy, like arrogance. Performatively heterosexual drinking of barbecue sauce straight from the bottle that's like, who is yes. this for? And there's this aggression in the way that this gets put across by him and many other male country artists. There's this aggression that's like, I am I am performing how laid back and cool and real I am. But what I'm also saying is, I hate you if you're not like me. Yeah. And underneath... And you, if you hate people who are not like you, possibly because of something that is being suppressed in your own... Yes. ...emotional now, life, something like... Enjoying the company of other people with external genitalia. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Like, here's the thing. There was a brief moment many years ago when Kenny Chesney was briefly married to Renee Zellweger. Uh Uh-huh. And then they annulled that, and they were very vague about why. But it was basically something about, like, you lied about your contract. The word was fraud. The word used was fraud. And then um, RZ had to walk that shit back and be like, I just met. And then he's like, the fraud was that I didn't really understand what being married was going to be. Like, this is all on his Wikipedia page. And it's like, so what you're saying is that when she didn't always want to accept it, um, let's say Alma from Brokeback Style. (laughs) I mean, allegedly, look, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And yes, if this is the case and I have no personal knowledge and there is obviously like I am not judging it. 
if this is the case, it must be terribly difficult to get from one end of the day to the other as Kenny Chesney. But there's also, like, I didn't watch the whole series run of Nashville, but what they tried to do with, was it Will? Yeah. the who was the, the closeted the singer, and he had this... Um, he had a song that I actually paid money to download called A Showman's Life, which was this um, sort of triplicate lyric about the, you know, how hard it is to be on the road, how people misunderstand what a country singer's life actually is. And then braided into that is I'm having this faux relationship with this lady that the record company decided it would be good for both of us, but actually I am gay. Um. And I just kept thinking about that song. Right. While I was listening to this song, I guess we should probably play a clip, no? Well, so, yeah, we had a lot to say about. So, all of so this is a, a lengthy, but I think necessary uh, prologue to how I generally feel about Kenny Chesney. Yeah. And there are a couple of Kenny Chesney songs that I'm like, that's not terrible. Because every now and like he is working from a factory, and sometimes the factory spits out a wonderful widget. But then one time, <laughs> one time, he released a song that I actually love. This is not like the Rod Stewart song where I'm like, this is actually not terrible. I actually love the song Somewhere With You. Here is a clip from Kenny Chesney's Somewhere With You. Someone new. I'm going out. Someone too I won't feel Sorry for me I'm getting drunk But I'd much rather be Somewhere with you Laughing loud on a carnival ride Driving around Saturday night Make fun of me Singing my song Got a hotel room Just to turn you on Said pick me up At 3 a.m. You're fighting with your mom again And I'd go, I'd go, I'd go Somewhere with you I think, Sarah, that this song really does a fantastic job of encapsulating the desire that we have for someone we know is terrible for us. And the story that it tells of it being the fucking middle of the night and this person who is poisoning you calls you and asks you to come over and you go and you can't help yourself, this song sounds like that drive that you're making. And the, there's a desperation and um, a, a, a helpless moving forward quality in the pace of the lyrics and the way he keeps repeating himself certain times and he's talking faster sometimes. And he is really fucked up over this person and she's real fucked up too and they're terrible for each other. But he keeps acknowledging with more and more emotional intensity as the song goes that he cannot help it and it doesn't matter what he does he's gonna always come and there's just something about the repeat the repetition of and i'll go you you call me you um you call me at 3 a.m you've been fighting with your mom again and i'll go i'll go i'll go there's a heaviness to it just the i know i'm gonna go it makes me so mad at myself but i can't stop it and I think that part of this is uh, because the song was written by a man named Shane McAnally, who is one of the great contemporary country songwriters. He himself is openly gay, and he just manages to write songs with such wonderful points of view about um, desperation and loneliness, frankly. He writes about a lot of things, but that's one of his specialties. And uh, I just think that this song is great. It doesn't sound like a country song, really. I mean, country doesn't sound like country anymore either, but this song really feels like it could belong on like a Genesis album, like in, in from the nineties. And I just, I love it. It is really well crafted and it's well executed by Chesney. Like that, um, the fa- the pacing, that incantatory pacing really does a good job reflecting that feeling of like in the clip that you just played, he's like, well, you know, I'm drunk, but I'd rather be somewhere with you. The way that that song title is brought back into the lyrics is very clever, but this sense of like when you are like a couple sheets to the wind and thinking about this toxic person and sort of like reviewing with yourself those well-worn mental cards of like all the good times that is how you excuse tolerating the 95% of it that's total shit. Yes. Is like the 
build of it reflects that content and emotion extremely well. Um, and the, the turn of the song is very, uh, um, it's cleverly done. It's well executed. And Chesney seems, um, it, he seems a little tentative, but he's like, he's in this, like, yes, he, this is actually him. It, the song goes on a little too long, I would love for him to re-record it, like, just, like, differently or sort of being more comfortable sitting with it and what it, it, what parts of it are him and are his. But compared to the usual, like, ersatz shit kickery that he's trying to do, this is, like, this is a good song. Yeah. It's not like a great if, song, but I was like happy to add it to my library. I was like, oh, this is really good. I totally see what Mark is saying. And it it, it just speaks to what you just said, that this, the single he released immediately before this one is called The Boys of Fall, and it's about how much he loves football. <laughs> it's just like, no, or I like want... when the sun goes down, we're yeah. going to get or drunk a... again, because we're straight people, and that's what they do, allegedly. Yeah. Anybody Bro. want to look at a titty? Uh, no, no, Kenny. We don't. <laughs> oh. But yes, if Kenny Chesney's <laughs> music. Wanna look at a titty. Oh, God, I can't. Oh, sorry. Please continue. Oh, well, that's what straight men say, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. So I've heard. Sure. Um, the, but at the, the end of the I day, with does seem inclined to want to look at a titty, preferably in you know paired form. But <laughs> your like, field research, want? come on, <laughs> your field research has indicated. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just if this were the type of music that he always made, then I would be much more interested in him. And you saying that you would like him to re-record it then made me think I would also like to hear another artist interpret this song and see how flexible and malleable this song proves to be when in the hands yeah. of other people. I think there's really something here for an artist who can dig into pain. Like what would, what would an Adele cover of this song sound like? Yeah. Or even like someone who is a little less um, of a, of a grand singer, quote unquote, but like, um, you know, like there's there's just an opportunity here for something really fascinating if people covered the song as well. But or like at any one rate, of the I'm... great funk stars of the '70s, like yes, what, what is Billy Preston's version of this going to sound like? Right, yes, like a, a funkier, like sort of heartbroken R and B vibe on this song. What would Roberta yeah. Flack have done with this song in the '70s? Yes. Oh God, we can only dream. Well, mm. I am um, anyway. Yes. Uh, and you were saying that this song connects in your mind to the Nashville song? Uh, yeah. Just because, you know, the scuttlebutt, allegedly, at the time of the their um, his and Zellweger's brief um, marriage, was that the fraud in question was his sexual orientation. And I remember yes. thinking how um, just how much that was to carry for both of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And it's not like it's become easier for a gay person to become a country star. So God bless. He's still releasing music. Like he's got a song on the charts right now. So yeah, I can only imagine if, if that's true, it must be horrible. And my heart breaks for him. That yeah. does not excuse the fact that he released a song called pirate flag and followed it up with a song called When I See This Bar, and then immediately followed that up with a song called American Kids. Like, that's not okay. But <laughs> those are aesthetic crimes, and we still find sympathy in our hearts if he is forced to live a hidden life. Mm. And uh, it also gives us sort of hope that it's like, look, it is possible for this person to engage um, authentically yes. with, with the piece of work. And Perhaps one of these days he'll just be like, well, fuck it. And emerge. seriously, I've got, I have a thousand hits. So fuck y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, please, <laughs> please, 
please line up <laughs> in order of girth, <laughs> allegedly. Thank you and goodbye. Okay, here's here's someone who's never going to do that. I I feel certain. Our last song is by a uh, country star, American Idol winner Scotty McCrary. Uh, I am rather surprised that I even know this song. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, honestly. <laughs> I yeah, this is Scotty McCreary's hit. I think it charted in twenty. Oh, it was a big, it was a big country music hit. Yes, this is it by uh, Scotty McCreary reached number one on the country airplay chart um, in two thousand eighteen nineteen. And uh, he's had a really sustained and successful career as a country music artist. And uh, he had some initial hits when he was right off of American Idol. Then he sort of disappeared for a while. And then he came back with this album called Seasons Change that was a real big comeback for him. And this is one of the singles from that album. So um, I yes, think he was this... going to college, actually. Well, that's true. Yes. He, he, stopped being a, he stopped being a teenager and then started to grow up and become an adult. And then a lot of people, however... You know, they they leave for a few years and they come back and people are like, I don't care. But he managed to break through and reestablish himself as a um, as a star. He did. Um, he had sort of a new, like, scruffed up, less baby fat in the face look. Um, this is it. He apparently wrote two weeks before proposing to his longtime girlfriend. Um, <laughs> he, here's where he starts to lose me with this shit. Not only did he sing this at their reception, but then there are apparently shots of their actual wedding video in the video for this song. Like, is it is it possible for him to be any extra about this? Like, (laughs) this is like when you have to sell Trump water on The Celebrity Apprentice. Like, just fucking stop it. However, you have not truly lived until you have been in a bar in Bayridge, Brooklyn, where a bunch in a converted fire station, Mark, you've been to this bar, where a bunch of yes. retired cops are drinking cheap, disgusting American lager and singing along to this without irony. This is it. Mr. McCreary, take it away. There's a trail through the trees to a cliff where Carolina meets the sky. Oh, and there's a view I just can't describe. No, we're not there yet, just a few more steps, baby, wait. Okay, you can open your eyes. This is it. This is now. This is what I've been talking about. Okay, first I will note that I'm pretty sure he gets to join the um, We Made a Gazillion Dollars from Wedding Songs club with Richard Marks, (laughs) Brian Adams, and Celine, that they're all sitting around lighting cigars with their money. Maybe he doesn't (laughs) do that because he seems sort of Jesus-y in this, you know, (laughs) unreflective way that some people are. But there's something about... There's like a nip down into his lower register that is so fucking sexy in this song. It's even more in the lead up to the second chorus, but that he's like, after he says, okay, and then he just dips down there for a second. And you're like, oh, this is a grown up with with functioning genitals. Hello. (laughs) Like, please, please sing a bunch of like... You know, I, this will never happen, I'm sure. But, like, please release an album that is only songs about fucking in bar bathrooms. I will buy it. I will play it every day. You can do this. Like, there is this little hint of, like, Chris Christopherson, Sam Elliott, like, mustache danger in there that's like, oh. Mm. And that's, I mean, Part of it is that this song is absolutely weaponized corn syrup in the Steve Warner mold, and I'm not proud of responding to that, but I do. 
but part of it is in the middle of you that. You just referenced like, Steve oh. Warner. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, holes in the floor of heaven, nothing will get me to cry faster. Hot, hot <sighs> tip for you listeners. But th- there's something about this song, and then you're looking around, and there's like literally 15 dudes with carry permits, all named Pat, singing to this. Like, what a fucking world. Anyway, it. That was my first experience of the song. Shazam tells me who it is, and I'm like, oh, fine. God damn it. And then I listened to it like I could sing the whole thing, all the parts, including the um, Git Steel. Um, again, th- there is shame surrounding this, but these are my reasons, good or not. Mark, talk to me. So it's so interesting how successfully you chose artists that you don't like. Uh, in terms of artists that I don't like, I'm going to tell a long story. Not long, but you know, it's going to seem like I, I don't know where I'm going. But I promise Scott you, I do. Greery's dick for like ten minutes. Yeah, you sure did. Please, you basically please get us out of here. <laughs> you basically got hot and bothered for Scotty McCreary. So I know okay. he's still like twelve. This is wrong. This is a felony in his state. Anyway, <sighs> so I um, there have been two instances in my life where I have stopped watching. Not just an episode of television, but an entire series in the middle of an episode. Okay. One was when I was watching the show Person of Interest uh, uh-huh. with Jim Caviezel and, um, oh, the guy from Lost, Michael Emerson. Mm-hmm. And there was a plot about some mystery they were trying to solve. And they said something that made it clear that in the logic of this show, World War II ended in 1946. Like... The writing was so sloppy that when you then walk, worked backwards from, they said that that happened so and so years ago at the in the very last year of World War II. But when you did the math, you realized it was 1946. Uh, it made me yeah. so it made me so angry that I deleted the episode and canceled the series recording on my DVR, and I never watched the show again. Okay, so there's that. <laughs> okay. The second time that this happened is when I was watching Scotty McCreary's audition on American Idol. Uh huh. And I had already started to feel like I don't need to watch this show anymore. But when yeah. he came out. What was out, the season 10? It was like, yeah, it was late. It was yeah. like after it had, it was, it was 2000. And I already lived in this apartment. So it was like late. Um, well, it's, but he, he won, he won at the age of 17. And I believe he was 26 born... now. Yeah. God. <laughs> so it's been a minute. But when he came out, I heard him do one line in that. Wild corn pwned Alan Jackson voice. And I was like, nope. And I realized I can't, I can't. Um, and I never watched the show. Well, I did watch a little bit of the last Fox season, but I, I basically gave up on American Idol after that. And um, yeah, I have had really no use for Scotty McCreary ever since, and therefore did not even listen to this song when it was a hit. I made the mistake of listening to his previous hit from this album, Five Minutes More, about how he wishes that um, grandpa's never died and it's schmaltzy, but effective, but I don't ever want to listen to it again. Well, but this yeah. song, no, when I was listening to it, I got excited in the, in a structural way because you could tell after he takes her up on the top of that mountain and says, this is it. Meaning the view that the language of the chorus is going to change its meaning over the course of the song. This yeah. is it. It's not just going to mean the view. And I got excited the first time I heard it thinking, Ooh, where's it going to go? <laughs> like I was thinking it's either going to be, this is it. Like this is our baby. This is it. This is the last time I get to hold you and I'm never going to forget. But like somehow this is going to change. And then when it was, of course, this is the moment that I want to be married to you. I was like, Oh, that's really sweet. So, well, and then Scotty forever McCreary, sort of evolves. Yeah. Also like we could see forever. Like you can see, whatever to the virginia line but you can also see our future down the years like I yes. mean, it's not the it's not like dolly parton bluegrass level lyrical but i uh, am a i am a true difficulty. sucker for i'm a sucker for this trope of country music songwriting where the meaning of the very the same words are repeated but the context changes i like that a lot so yeah which uh, say, chesney also does in the song yeah, we just talked about so that's true so, thumbs up to this song. Uh, thank you for introducing it to me. Um, you are you are welcome. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, have some regrets about things that I've said. 
about various people's groins in this episode, but you know about it's... the about about how hard you would allow Scotty McCreary to get it. Oh my god! Yeah, I I mean I'm still not totally convinced that it's legal. Like if you were born in the '90s, like that's just that's not no. If no. you are too young to have been aware of the song Vogue, I cannot fuck with you, except apparently, unless I'm Sarah and I'm talking to Scotty McCreary. <laughs> I, yeah, I just don't, there's like, it, it seriously is like a quarter of a second that I was like, huh, <laughs> look, look who can rent a car <laughs> and drive it to my house, drive it to my house. Okay. I'll um, go, I'll go, I'll go. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> This has been a complicated road that we've walked today, but I am really glad that we dove into this theme. Thank you for being up for it when I suggested it. Um, You are an artist that I do like, Sarah, so uh, it's been a pleasure to explore these songs with you. Um, this this really has been a hilarious, um, possibly felonious delight, and... um... Yes, please, uh, please serve all uh, papers involving lawsuits, like libel lawsuits, to Mr. Rod Stewart at his home. <laughs> a showman's life is a smoky bar. In the fever chase of a tiny star, it's a hotel room and a lonely wife. From what I've seen of a showman's life, nobody told me. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting. And it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Of a green and white way Until the dream comes true Then a phony smile In a color light Mark and Sarah talk about songs They talk, talk, talk about Talk about songs Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.